Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including house churches, gathering times, and other resources, please visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Steve Fowler. Brian uh, got us started on a series last week called Deep. Uh, We're having this conversation about what does it mean to have spiritual depth? Oftentimes when we think about spiritual depth, we, uh, we think about um, knowing a lot about the Bible or having a content, a, a lot of, of our grasp of the biblical story is firmly embedded in our minds and in our hearts. And certainly that is true. You've been hearing us in this uh, series on the book of Revelation talk about saturating in Scripture. Really important that we know God's Word. In fact, the writers of Scripture will, will, will kind of put this uh, teaching in our hearts. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, leave behind the elementary truths. There are truths that are just elementary. They're the beginning point of faith. And the urge is to move on to the deeper truths. That, you find that in Scripture. That is, that is very biblical, and it's important that we have spiritual death. That we're saturated in Scripture. We know God's will as it's revealed in the Bible. But depth has way more dimensions than just bringing in content because knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So what does it look like to be spiritually deep? And can I just say right from the very beginning, whether you're watching in a house church or in the room here, some of you are much deeper than you give yourself credit for. And I hope in this series that you will have a sense of, you know, I'm, I think I'm growing. I think I'm going some places in, in Christ that I didn't, ex- didn't even know before. And Brian talked about being a person of depth and humility. And that, uh, that Jesus, that he set the example for us. He leaves the glory and his status in heaven as the son of God. And he comes down to earth. He takes on flesh, which is a major downgrade for him, in case you didn't know that. And he humbles himself even to the point of death on a cross. Jesus... Goes to, he lives the life that you and I could not live, and he dies the death that you and I should have died. He humbled himself to that point. And Brian taught us very well last week that, yes, it's great to take in the content, but really what we want to make sure we do, we're actually putting those things into practice. And if we're going to model our Christ, we need to know that it takes humility. And I want to talk to us today about another dimension of depth. It's not a real popular topic. In fact, it's, it's something actually we avoid. And I want to talk to us about pain. I want to talk to us about suffering. I want to talk to us about the, the body blows that we take uh, through life, the, the wounds that we carry, and how that actually speaks to the depth of work that the Spirit of God is doing in us. And I just want to begin by just reading some stories, real stories of pain to sort of set the table for us so that you have an idea of the kind of stories that are in a room like this one. Story number one. It was a year of many tears for me, tears of joy and tears of great sorrow. It began in June when my husband and I found out we were pregnant. We have two beautiful boys that we adopted as babies, but this was my first pregnancy. To say I was ecstatic would be an understatement. And then our world came crashing down on us. I went in for my 18-week ultrasound and was devastated when I was told that no fluid was left around the baby and delivery was imminent. My first thought was total disbelief and then pure agony. What 
is God doing? For the next seven weeks, I defied all odds, and the, and the, the baby wasn't delivered. Then exactly at 25 weeks pregnant, I was admitted to the hospital for what we had hoped would be a nine-week stay. But short, shortly after I was admitted, the monitors were showing that I was having contractions, and I was rushed into the emergency room for an emergency C-section. And that afternoon, we welcomed our precious baby girl, Eliza Grace, into the world. Weighing in at one and a half pounds and 13 inches long, she was incredibly tiny but perfectly formed. God, in his great mercy, had allowed me to sustain my pregnancy to the point that I got to meet my daughter and see how he had fearfully and wonderfully made her. The NICU staff fought hard for her. But after an hour of being worked on, we were told she was not going to live. They unhooked her tiny body from all the tubes and wires and placed my baby on my chest. And that is where she spent the next three hours until she quietly passed from my arms into the arms of her heavenly father. Story number two. To this day, I'm uncomfortable with silence. I developed this discomfort growing up. We didn't have a TV, so the house was silent all the time. My mom was working 20 hours a day, six days a week, and my older sisters were working part-time jobs. I was often home alone in an eerily silent apartment. I didn't like it, but knew my mom was working hard to keep our family together. Mom suffered much as an immigrant to the United States. She had followed her husband with four kids in tow to come to this foreign country to pursue the American dream. But when her husband abandoned her, she did everything in her power to prevent the dream from becoming a nightmare. Her resolve and commitment kept our family together. As a single mom with limited language skills, she worked long hours at two different jobs. During the day, she worked a 12-hour shift frying chicken and making sandwiches at a, at a restaurant. When her shift ended at 11 p.m., she'd head over to work the graveyard shift at a nursing home as a nurse's aide, changing bedpans and keeping watch through the night. Then she'd return home in time to wake her children, make breakfast, catch a short nap before turn, returning to work at the restaurant. Those years of poverty and suffering are etched in my mind. Story number three. My first experience of severe suffering came early in my life at age 10 when my mother lost her three-year battle with cancer. In her last painful months at home, I witnessed things a 10-year-old boy should not have heard or seen. One August morning, Dad gathered us in the living room to tell us that Mom went home to be with Jesus during the night. Along with my father and my two brothers, we were devastated. The absence of her free-spirited nature and warm Christian faith left a huge vacuum in our hearts. I especially felt the pangs of loneliness and abandonment when at the end of every school day, I was the first to enter our empty house. Not long after my father remarried, my stepmother, Isabel, didn't know how to cook, but she dearly loved my dad. Having taken on the burden of mothering and cooking for three hungry teenage boys, she was a true saint. But sadly, a few years later, my stepmom 
also lost her painful battle with cancer. And we all grieved again. Three stories of pain. Three stories of suffering. Some that perhaps you in the room, you, you could say, yep, that's pretty similar to my story. Others of you, you know your story, and you know the, the, the pain that you have been walking in. Friends, this is not a subject we like to talk about, but here's what I've come to understand, that when we hit suffering and pain, we come to this proverbial fork in the road, and we have this opportunity to go one direction that actually can lead to disillusion and bitter, bitterness and anger, and, and I've seen some people go down that fork in the road, and yet I've seen other people go down another fork in the road that it's not that they just pretend the pain's not there. It's not that they're not weeping. It's not that they're not sobbing. It's just that when they get to the end of the journey, there's something that's sweet that's hanging over them. They've suffered well. And I want to tell you today that deep people suffer well. They just do. You know people in your life that you would say, this is someone who's been through pain and they have suffered well. There's the, the aroma of Christ is on them and you've seen that beauty. And what I want to do is, in the in time we got left this morning, is I want, to, I want to go to Romans chapter 5. You can go there in your Bibles and you can go on your iPads or your phones or however you want to get to your Bible. I want to go to Romans chapter 5 and I want to look at a conversation Paul is having with the church in Rome in which he's talking about pain and suffering. And just a little bit of context and helping you know that he spent the first four chapters of Romans, he's talking about this incredible, great thing that we've seen actually demonstrated before us in front of our eyes. People going from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That actually all humanity is in this courtroom standing before God, but, but, but because of what Jesus has done, we've been transferred from the courtroom facing a judge to the living room where we get to be with the Father. And... Here's what's fascinating, is that he's set this all up and he's going to have the first conversation with us about what life is like in the living room. And you would expect, like, this is going to be fantastic. I can't wait. I'm expecting, I'm anticipating what Paul is going to say to us. And the very first conversation he is going to have is a conversation about pain. Because deep people suffer well. Let me read from Romans chapter 5. You can follow along if you like. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I'll begin in verse 1. I'll end in uh, verse 5. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Oh, this is the good news of the gospel. This is the stuff we get excited about. This is what prompts hallelujahs and amens. And then Paul says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Deep people suffer well. And Paul lays out what suffering well can look like. And so we're, I'm just going to walk, I'll show you four ways this happens, and I'm just going to give us two ways that we can begin applying this to our own lives. And we're going to dive right in, and we'll kind of build that passage by putting the words on the screen. Romans chapter 3, uh, sh- sorry, chapter 5, verse 3, it begins by saying, we can rejoice. I've underlined that word because we need to talk about that. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that. I've underlined that phrase because here's what Paul is saying. He's saying there's something we know, 
And, 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 and we know that, that, that suffering is going to come our way. And what he's getting at is that deep people have an accurate perspective on suffering and regarding pain. Deep people know this. Paul, he, he, he says, we know that. He's saying, look, it's, you should have this expectation that suffering is going to come your way in life. And we shouldn't be surprised by it, which is why Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says, don't be surprised by the fiery trials that come your way. Yet there's something about us, and I think maybe it's because some of us, when we gave our lives to Jesus, we, kind of, we, we embraced this gospel that was, a, you know, life goes better with Jesus. And we have this idea that it's kind of like, you've been seeing this on the news, there's this iron dome, like it's over Israel, it's over our lives. And when the enemy sends the rockets our way, God intercepts them so we don't have to go through suffering and pain. It's so good to be following Jesus. Well, but, but then some get through. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't protect us. He does protect us, but it doesn't mean that in this world that we are immune from pain and suffering. And if you got into this relationship with Jesus thinking that you've been protected from all pain and suffering, and then suddenly pain and suffering comes your way, you begin to ask yourself questions like, has God changed his mind about me? Or questions like, did I do something wrong? Or questions like, were you beginning to question God's character? God, are you really good? And it's all because we don't really have a, a very well-developed theology of suffering. Suffering comes in all shapes and sizes. It comes suddenly and sometimes it just sort of sneaks up on you over time. And we'll just put this on the screen, but here, here's some examples of what suffering can look like for us. Sometimes people suffer due to self-inflicted misery. That's, that's the truth. I mean, go to the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve, right? We, we make poor decisions, and decisions have consequences. Sometimes people suffer because of the sins of others. Some of you are in this room and you have pain in your life, not because you made a poor decision, but because someone else made a poor decision. You see that story in Scripture. Sometimes we suffer to no human fault at all. Even the best saints had their bad days. Sometimes we suffer due to loss. It could be a loss of health. It could be a loss of finances, a loss of a relationship, and pain enters into our life. Sometimes people suffer because of natural disasters. Think famines, think earthquakes, think tsunamis, fires. And sometimes people suffer because there is a vicious enemy, his name is Satan, who hates us. He hates the church. Suffering comes in all shapes and sizes. And what Paul is saying from the very beginning is those people who suffer well aren't surprised by this. They have a perspective, an accurate perspective, and that, that actually, you know, pain may come my way, and I'm going to rejoice. Well, that just sounds kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? I mean, if you're honest and you're reading your Bible and you go, Paul says, rejoice when you hit suffering. There's something in you that goes, like, Paul, I mean, we're tempted to write him a nasty email and say, you're so naive. But let's just remember for a moment that this is a guy who was shipwrecked. This was a guy who was whipped. He was beaten. Uh, he, he floated in the ocean wondering if he was going to live. He was eventually executed. He knew what it was like to be cold and hungry. It's not like he didn't know what suffering and pain looked like. Yet he's saying rejoice. What is he saying? That when pain comes into my life, I should go, yippee, skippy, this is wonderful? No, no, that's not what he's saying. It kind of gets lost in the translation a little bit, but let me explain it this way. When I was a kid, growing up in Hong Kong, China, um, I... I I got bit by something poisonous. My parents think it was a spider. My left arm swelled up. 
And, um, and then I got this weird, I'll spare you the details, this weird growth that just kept getting larger on the middle of my left arm. And um, my, my grandmother was a nurse, and I remember her coming over and looking at it, and she did this procedure and uh, removed this pretty nasty growth from my arm. When it was removed, I looked at my arm, and there was a hole in my arm. And I looked in and I said, what's that white thing in there? And Dad said, well, that, that's your bone. And in, in me, I was like, well, that's cool. And so I showed it to my brother. And my you know, mom and dad are like, well, this gets thing wrapped up. And, you know, they gave me medicine and my arm was wrapped up. And then I have this scar. And if you take your finger and run it over my arm, which you cannot do, you run it over my arm, you'll feel a dip right there. And my scar on my arm and the dip in my arm became sort of like this, I was, I was pretty proud of that. And I would share this story with my friends. I got this nasty growth and this massive spider bit me. And I, you know, it's all this pain and, and a little bit of exaggeration. But, but this is what Paul's getting after. He's saying scars tell stories. He's not saying rejoice, you're in pain. No, he, he's, he's talking about perspective. Friend, your scars, the wounds in your life tell a story. Some of you, the wound has not even been inflicted yet. Some of you was years ago. Others of you are in the middle of it right now. And deep people suffer well. And deep people have an accurate perspective on suffering. They're not surprised by it. Let's keep going. Romans chapter 5, we'll, we'll pick up uh, verse 3 and keep going. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. We can rejoice. We had the right perspective. Here's what Paul is saying on this. People who suffer well, uh, they, they grow in spiritual stamina. There's something about that, this, this idea that they, they, they become stronger. We all know that we do our best growth in times of difficulty. There's something about our character, something about our spiritual stamina that increases when things get tough. Years ago, I, I made this decision. I don't know what prompted me. I just I made this decision that I wanted to get staff uh, to do something together. And uh, so what we decided to do was, uh, you know, we're, we're going to run a half marathon. I'd never run a half marathon in my life. I mean, I ran in high school a little bit, but I, I never never run a half marathon. I, th I got like 13 to 15 people to, to do it with me. I even got Jeff Brown to do it with me. And, uh, and I, I just got everyone into it. And so we started training. And I'll never forget my first training run over at Bush Park. Set up to run two miles. And I got done running two miles, and I was angry. I just like, why did I think this was a good idea? A half marathon is 13 miles. I just ran two, and I feel like I'm going to die. And I just, I just was, I was beating myself. It's just such a poor decision. And I still started doing my normal like short runs and someone had taught me you add some miles on your long runs. So I was, about some weeks later, I ran four miles. I get done running the four miles and I am angry. My body is in pain. I'm beginning to think of like, I don't know if I want to do this, but I'm kind of committed because I got 14 other people doing it with me. And I don't want to, and I don't like it. And then some weeks later, I end up running seven miles, and I am gasping for breath, and I finish the seven miles, and I felt something different. I felt a sense of accomplishment. Like I just, 
It was just a little bit more than halfway. And something like, this is good. I'd come, for, I'd come from rage and anger to, well, maybe something good is happening here. And I ran the half marathon. We ran the half and We didn't win anything. We just finished. <laughs> but it felt good to finish. But it's tough. And deep people build and they grow spiritual stamina. There was a prophet, and one time he was complaining to God. He said, God, I got this complaint that I want to raise to you. My life is pretty miserable, and it looks like the people who are evil, who have nothing to do with you, don't want to know you, and they're just actually living their own life. It's like you don't even exist. And life is going good for them, God. It's not going good for me. The prophet's name is Jeremiah. Listen to God's response. In Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5, if racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? If you stumble and fail on open ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? Do you hear what God is saying to Jeremiah? You whip. Not really saying that. But what he's saying is, Jeremiah, you're running in the open fields. There's not even potholes. There's not even stones. And you're tripping and falling. How are you going to run with the horses in the thick undergrowth of the thickets there near the Jordan? He's saying, I'm growing you. There's a purpose on your life. And part of that growth is connected to pain and suffering in your life. And deep people suffer well. And one of the ways they suffer well is through endurance. They persevere. They stick it out. And something begins to happen in them that this anger, this upset, I'm not happy with you, God. God, why is this happening to me? Transitions to something. You know, God, I I think there's something that's being accomplished by you in my life. Back to Romans 5. Romans 5, 3 and 4. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, that's perspective, for we know that they will help us develop endurance. That's growth and spiritual stamina. And endurance develops strength of character. Oh, don't you love that part of the verse? See, you're in pain right now and suffering, and I got good news for you. God is teaching you patience. Well, you can take your patience and you fill the rest of it and put it in a book somewhere. I don't know what you guys are thinking, but uh, I don't want patience. I don't want endurance. Who, who said I want a spiritual stamina? I have no desire to run a half marathon with God. Who, I don't want to run with horses. You run with horses. I have no desire to run with the thickets. I don't even want to run with men. Please don't tell me this develops my character. I, I just, I, I don't want it. But that's not what Paul's saying. He's not saying, yes, that stuff happens. But Paul's not saying rejoice, your scars tell stories, have a good perspective, understand you're growing a spiritual stamina for character, as in I'm going to be like a more patient and wiser person. Those things will happen. Here's what he's getting at. One Bible version says that this character is proven character. It's a Greek word called dokimos. Dokimos. Deep people suffer well, and and one of the ways you suffer well is by being stamped with a seal of authenticity. I grew up in China, grew up in Hong Kong. You could take a train and cross the border to a town called Samjun. You go to Samjun, there's this mall there, like a shopping mall. We called it the copy mall because you could buy a copy of anything there. Gucci, Prada, Nike, Puma, golf equipment, bikes, watches. I bought so many watches. I mean, I I walked around as a kid, a Rolex watch on my my wrist. And and I said, people look at me, why why does a 16-year-old kid have a a Rolex watch? 
What well, wasn't real? Was it, I mean, take one shower and you're back to some jun to buy another, another watch. But have you ever gone into a store, go to a grocery store, and you see a nice fine cut of steak and it's got that sticker on there that says Prime Choice? You ever bought jewelry, a diamond ring, and you get a certificate of authenticity? Documos. That's what Paul is saying. People who suffer well, their scars tell stories. They have a perspective. They're not surprised by pain and suffering. They don't like it. They're still asking the questions. It grows spiritual stamina. It's not that they're excited about it, but they see God accomplishing something in it. But when they come out the other side, there's a sweet spirit on them because they've been stamped. Stamped with the seal of authenticity. You are following the suffering servant named Jesus. And as you suffer well, you are certifying that you are a true follower. Some of you in this room need to hear this because you think that there's, you've made mistakes. You think that God has turned his face from you. you. You think you've blown it or he's got doubts about you. But actually what he's doing, he's taking the deep places and you are deep. You just are. And what the enemy would love to do is to make you question that you belong when actually what you're doing is you're walking a life just like your Christ. Deep people suffer well. Let me wrap up, get to some handles. Last point here. We can rejoice. Scars tell stories. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, perspective, for we know that they help us develop endurance, spiritual stamina, and endurance develops strength of docimos, character, proving character, and proving character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. People who suffer well come out the other side and they have this muscular hope. It, it just gives birth to a muscular, there's these new muscles of hope. It's not some hope in a sweet by and a pie in the sky and a sweet by and by and, uh, you know, one, one day this will all be me. It, it's not some kind of wimpy hope like that. It's actually a hope because of the brokenness of the temporal. My eyes have been put on the eternal and there's something birthed in me that is strong and put its hope in one who is real and one who can deliver. And that hope is real. There will be the voices like Job's wife who will say, curse God and die. Look how poorly things are going. But we realize those with muscular hope end up saying things like this. Naked I came into the world and naked I will leave this world. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It doesn't mean that I'm loving that. But what, I does, what it does mean is that, you know what? There is one who has his eye on me. And there is hope. So let me ask the question to you. Are you suffering well? Have you been surprised? Take heart, your scars tell stories. And spiritual stamina is being developed. And the stamp, the seal of authenticity is being placed on your life as you suffer well. And there is hope that one day there will be no tears, no more crying, no more pain, no more suffering. We will be with him forever and ever. And that's just not some sweet by and by, friends. 
That's just plain good old-fashioned gospel truth. He will one day come again. And we will be with him forever and ever. Am I suffering well? Second thing I'd say to you is this. You know people in your life who have suffered well. Take them out for dinner. Ask them questions. Do coffee with them. Say, how would you do this? I'm in a dark place right now. How did you do this? I need your help. Ask your questions. And they're okay with the raw questions because they've been there and they've asked the same ones. You know who those people are. They suffered well, and there's a sweet smell on them. They smell like Jesus. Years ago, when my children were much younger, when we put them to bed, they did not want to go to bed. And so they would cry. We'd turn out lights, we'd shut doors, and oftentimes I would just hang out on the other side of the door and listen to them cry out. And I'm right there maybe 10 feet from their bed, but the door's closed, and I might as well have been 10 miles away from them. That's what it feels like when you're in the dark. Psalm 56, verse 8, says these words. Psalmist says, you've seen me tossing and turning through the night. You've collected all my tears and preserved them in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. My friends, your Christ is journaling your pain. He knows. No tear falls to the ground. He observes every single one he sees. He's the God who sees. Some of you there now. He's not forgotten you. He's not turned his face from you. And you are deep because you're suffering well. Let's pray. So Jesus, one of the things that gives me hope in the midst of suffering is you've walked this path. So we want to book a dinner appointment with you. How did you not open your mouth when you went to the cross? How is it that you didn't return an insult with an insult? How is it that you took the beatings? We need to learn from you. We need you to disciple us. Do your sweet work in us, we pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit at salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.